Welcome to the Ramble Podcast, hosted by Dave DeBah and presented by Rippin.com. As always, the Ramble Podcast is coming to you live from the Super Plus Rippin.com broadcast studios in the heart of Silicon Valley. Now, to the host that can't stop rambling, Dave DeBah. The Ramble We Go. I am Dave DeBaugh, and I want to talk sports with you, North America. Coming up on The Ramble today, we go deep, deep, deep inside the National Football League season, which is literally just four days away from kicking off. It was cut day in the National Football League. We're going to cover some of that. Plus, of course, a Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Ezekiel Elliott story that you won't want to miss. And it involves Herman's Head. That's right, a television show from the 1990s. Plus, LeBron James has decided that he wants to trademark Taco Tuesday. Some additional National Basketball Association coverage for you as well. But today we begin officially with an apology. <laughs> That's right. Dave DeBaugh is going to officially apologize to Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants. Now, if you have been a fan of the show you know that I basically offered up <laughs> my Porsche a long time ago that Daniel Jones was going to be a complete failure and there was no way in hell that the New York football giants were going to draft him in the first place. Let me just say this about Daniel Jones. First of all, I'm glad nobody from the New York football giants actually called my bluff on that one. <laughs> but secondly, Having had a chance to watch footage of Daniel Jones during practice, and I'm not just talking about preseason games. I'm actually talking about footage of Daniel Jones in OTAs, footage of Daniel Jones during uh, during training camp, footage of Daniel Jones going up against other teams during training camp, and of course, the pathetic four preseason games that we all had to suffer through because we are so hard for the National Football League that we will watch anything that they put on the field as god-awful <laughs> as the fourth preseason games are. I will say this. I think uh, uh, if you take a look at all of the things that Daniel Jones has done since he got to the New York Football Giants, It is safe to say that the New York Football Giants organization absolutely got this right. Now, there are some members of the media, Colin Coward, (laughs) who are basically calling out the New York Football Giants because they think that Daniel Jones, during the preseason, they basically padded his stats. They made it easy for Daniel Jones to put up big numbers in an effort to move Eli Manning out. Now look, Colin Coward's fantastic. 
I'm not going to rip on Colin too much. He's got a show on um, on Fox and he does a great job. But I will say this. It's just, of course they want to get rid of Eli Manning. Come on, Colin. Do you really think that they want to keep Eli Manning in New York? Like, they played Daniel Jones as much as they played Daniel Jones since OTAs because they needed to know where they are with Daniel Jones. It is also safe to say that if things go poorly in New York early on, regardless of how well Eli plays, it won't matter come week five, six, or seven the New York football giants will have their future starting quarterback no longer be a future starting quarterback, but be the actual starting quarterback of that football team. I am just saying that Daniel Jones, of all the players that I've seen, including what Cliff Kingsbury is attempting to do with the number one draft pick in Arizona, Daniel Jones is by far the quarterback most likely to succeed in the National Football League at a high level. An absolutely fantastic pick by the New York Football Giants. All right, we've got so much National Football League coverage to cover, and we're going to get into a lot of it. I did want to um, touch a little bit tonight as well on the National Basketball Association. Now, as you know, The ramble has been off the air for most of the summer. We kind of took being French to a whole new level. (laughs) We didn't just take August off. We didn't just take July off, but we also took most of June off. Just a lot going on um, on on a wide variety of fronts. It is so good. Uh, to be back on the Ramble, I cannot tell you. I'm super excited. The show uh, will be back on the air at least once a week. And stay tuned for some more details because we are being picked up in a couple other places. And those shows will actually be what what is turned into something called a live podcast, which last time I checked is really just radio but not through the air, (laughs) but actually just streamed online. Anyways, uh, more news to come on the Ramble Live podcast and when you can pick those up uh, coming up in the next couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. Anyways, um, so, so much going on in the National Basketball Association. I did feel that it was important that we uh, sort of came to terms with a couple things that I think we all already knew. First thing is 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 that uh, Demarcus Cousins really is a thug. I mean, let's face it. We thought for a long time, and a lot of us out there did think that you know Demarcus was on his best behavior in Sacramento. He did a lot of great things um, off of the court in Sacramento. I certainly don't want to take any of that away from him. He did a lot of fantastic things here in the Silicon Valley when he was with the Warriors, and I'm sure he would have done a lot of great things for the Los Angeles Lakers. All of the injuries and all of the other things that have popped up, I feel bad for DeMarcus Cousins. Now, 
This is a TMZ story, an audio recording that came out in which allegedly DeMarcus Cousins threatens to shoot Christy West, the mother of their seven-year-old child. Now, we don't have all of the facts on this. I don't know if this is true or not true, but if you're out there and you've watched DeMarcus Cousins throughout his career, haven't you always just thought that he was living the thug life? <laughs> I'm just saying. It just always felt like um, he was always just uh, an incident away from a yet another TMZ story. I'm just saying. So we'll see what happens. And of course, we will report on it if it turns out to be false. It is fair to say that this is a, an alleged story at this point. So we will keep an eye on that story <laughs> for you as it uh, develops. A couple other things from around the National Basketball Association. I can't wait to get into the LeBron James story. And it involves El Torito. <laughs> I'm just saying. I cannot wait to get into that. But before we get into that, just real quick. Now, while we were away, uh, Carmelo Anthony actually surfaced. He showed up in New York and went on um, went on a wide variety of shows that ESPN tapes um, in New York, including First Take. Um, actually, that was in, um, uh, not in New York, but it was actually in Los Angeles. So it was good to see Carmelo actually get out and start to defend himself. I'm not going to get into the specifics of what Carmelo was trying to say, Basically, as we all know, Carmelo is looking for a gig and he still thinks he could be a starter, uh, a backup in the National Basketball Association and is willing to do whatever it takes now to continue his NBA career a la Vince Carter. Um, but not to that extent. Carmelo certainly wants more money than Vince Carter got the last 10 years as Vince Carter's been bouncing around from $1 to $4 million pay paychecks from around the National Basketball Association. So there's all these stories starting to surface about will Car Carmelo get a job in the NBA? Why hasn't his buddy LeBron hooked him up? Blah, 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 blah. At this point, I'm sick of it. Absolutely tired of hearing about where Carmelo Anthony will go. I also feel like he's being blackballed by a, uh, if you will, all of the National Basketball Association teams. You can't be blackballed by 15 teams. <laughs> That's not how it works. In order for the blackball to actually exist, everybody has to be in on it. Look, I'm not saying all the GMs got together secretly somewhere in the Caribbean and dimmed the lights and had candles lit and it was a romantic setting and they put on they put on sh they put on um outfits um and and just danced around and said do not allow Carmelo Anthony back in the National Basketball Association. <laughs> I'm not actually saying that happened, but what I am saying is there is a very interesting undertone here that nobody is offering him anything. Let me just say this. My Minnesota Timberwolves and even my Los Angeles Lakers, 
And for those of you that are new to the show, yes, I can have two favorite National Basketball Association teams. I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other shows to find out why. (laughs) It's a rarity, but it actually is a legitimate story. Anyways, my two favorite basketball teams, the Timberwolves. Are you telling me that the Minnesota Timberwolves do not need a player of Carmelo Anthony's talent, especially in the style of offense that that team runs, which is basically a slow down half court offense because Andrew Wiggins can't figure out, figure it out. So that's what that team runs. Carmelo's a perfect fit for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's in an okay fit for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he's a fantastic fit for 10 other teams in the National Basketball Association. So why hasn't he gotten a gig yet? It is clear that there are a bunch of GMs that just don't want to deal with him. Do you forget? It's amazing that that is what's happened to Carmelo in his career he's still got so much left in the tank and even if it's only 10 to 14 points coming off the bench it's worth it for at least 14 teams in the national basketball association because as we all know there are a lot of bad teams in the nba all right we are going to come back to the lebron james el torito Taco Tuesday saga in a little bit. Going to go ahead and bounce back now to the National Football League. And um, by the time you listen to this podcast, Ezekiel Elliott will most likely have signed some sort of significant contract to come back to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if the Cowboys are smart about it, they'll do it and not play him in the first game. He's got to get into shape before he's really ready. And I don't care about what people say about Marshall Falk going down to Cabo and actually training Ezekiel Elliott. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about how Marshall Falk (laughs) has gone down to Cabo And it's suddenly resurfaced. Now, if you don't remember why you haven't heard the name Marshall Falk in, I don't know, maybe three years, the answer is sexual harassment lawsuit allegedly filed against him and several other people at the National Football League Network. Um, So Marshall, of course, lost his gig and has been out of the media ever since. This is the first step And trust me, there are plenty of trainers out there. There are plenty of other people that could train Ezekiel Elliott to be ready for the National Football League. Don't be fooled. This was a publicity stunt by Marshall Falk and his team to try to get his name back into the public. And it worked. I heard Marshall Falk on the Rich Eisen show. I heard Marshall Falk talk to Colin Cowherd. I heard Marshall Falk here, Marshall Falk there. (laughs) Marshall Falk was everywhere. (laughs) He was the opposite of Where's Waldo. Anyways, does Marshall Falk deserve a second chance? And I think we live in a society where he does. But I do want to be clear, this was a publicity stunt 
a total and utter publicity stunt by Marshall Falk and Ezekiel Elliott. That being said, um, I don't really understand what Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and the rest of the Jones family was doing with Ezekiel Elliott and this contract. I get that they have a lot of players that they have to pay. We all understand that. We understand that it's a hard cap in the National Football League. Anybody that doesn't understand that just hasn't paid any attention. Anybody that doesn't know there's a hard cap in the National Football League still hasn't seen the original Top Gun. (laughs) I'm just saying, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, why were the Dallas Cowboys so uh, fanatical about how they dealt with Ezekiel Elliott? And I can only come up with one thing. And that is, Jerry Jones likes to do things on Jerry Jones's own clock. <laughs> and if you think back to that famous or uh, sort of famous uh, Fox television show called Herman's Head, if you could get inside the head of Jerry Jones, I think what you would find, no, you wouldn't find a bunch of cobwebs. <laughs> you would find a sophisticated machine that was actually plotting exactly what was going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that Jerry Jones was completely in control of this entire situation. And I think while he was in his Herman's head moment, he went back and he said, okay, uh, how do, how do I how did I win Super Bowls before? <laughs> and and his and his initial thing was I think he got to a conclusion that when he brought Emmett Smith back after he missed two games and they went on to win the Super Bowl that year, I think he he feels he must have come across some emotional equation inside Jerry Jones's Herman's head that basically said. Uh, uh, cause some trouble for your running back in a negotiation standpoint, and then the rest of the team will rally around that running back when he comes back, and he'll go all the way to win the Super Bowl because nothing else has been working for Jerry Jones for the last 22 years. (laughs) I really think it was something like that that got Jerry um, Jerry Jones going. So anyways, I would imagine... That by the end of Labor Day weekend, Ezekiel Elliott will be under a, a significantly larger new contract. I would also like to point this out. <laughs> um, the, the ramble is the ramble for a wide variety of reasons, but I would also like to point this out. Uh, what is the most valuable player on your fantasy football team? That's right. Now, if you're a fantasy football player like me and like the other 125 million people in North America who play fantasy football, I will say this. The reason running backs are the most valuable is because of how the point system works in fantasy football. But if you actually watch a lot of football, it is mind-boggling to me that these um, these Uh, These teams um, are able to get away with what they get away with with one of the most valuable positions in the sport. A great running back can make all of the difference. And why is it that a great running back makes 40% less than a top-tier lineman? 
I'm not even going to go down the quarterback path. I'm just going to compare him to a lineman. I'm just saying there is this weird undervaluing of running backs in the National Football League. And the reason behind it is there are a lot of talented sort of mediocre running backs that show flashes of greatness. And then owners think that they can just go with these tandems that are going to take them over the top. Look, if you can have an Ezekiel Elliott on your team, you take him. (laughs) You take him and you pay him. And I don't even know what the final contract's going to be, but I will say this. I guarantee he'll be underpaid. Not against other running backs, but he'll be be underpaid uh, against his value, his overall value to the Dallas Cowboys. I think most people who are listening to this podcast would agree that the most valuable player on the Dallas Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott, but he won't be paid that way. (laughs) It's so strange. The NFL's Players Union is going to have to get off of its ass and get this thing right, and it might even require uh, creating separate salary cap structures for individual positions inside uh, the National Football League uh, to really get this thing done right. Okay, uh, North America, we're going to circle back now to El Torito. Now, when I was, (laughs) when I was growing up in Southern California, and I'll go ahead and admit it now, and somebody can come arrest me if they want to. Um, Yeah, 18, 19 years old. Uh, me and my buddies, we'd used to sneak into El Torito's Taco Tuesdays <laughs> and, and of course, have some cocktails along the way and have 50 cent tacos. Now, we've been through a couple recessions ever since then, and Taco Tuesday is no longer 50 cents. It's $2.99 a taco. But El Torito has been running Taco Tuesdays for at least, as far as I know, for at least 30 years. 30 years of Taco Tuesdays at the Mexican restaurant chain named El Torito. (laughs) And I doubt they even came up with it. So fast forward to the summer of 2019. LeBron James brings, (laughs) brings Anthony Davis to his house and utters the famous words, which I'm convinced LeBron thought he came up with. And I was convinced it at the time that I actually saw the silly video of him yelling Taco Tuesday in that really strange little accent that LeBron James was trying to do. I'm not a LeBron James hater. I will say that. Not at all. He's on my favorite basketball team. I mean, I don't hate LeBron James. But come on, LeBron. You're doing Space Jam 2, and now you want to trademark Taco Tuesday? Furthermore, how ridiculous is it that Taco Tuesday hasn't been trademarked yet? Look, I checked. El Torito, the Mexican restaurant chain, which has been around now since 1954. I don't know how many times they've gone out of business and gone through Chapter 11, and folded and come back to life. I don't know the answer to that question. I didn't care enough to dig that deep, but I guarantee it's happened a couple times. Still, is there nobody at El Torito 
inside their corporate offices over the last 70 years that said, hey, you know, we've got this great thing. People love coming to our Taco Tuesdays. Hey, you know, maybe we should trademark it. (laughs) Now I have to sit here and read about LeBron James trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. Come on, El Torito. (laughs) I'm just saying it's flat out uh, ridiculous. All right. um, uh, Just a couple other quick stories before we get out of here. Um, Going to give you a a high level sort of breakdown of what I think is going to happen in the National Football League this year. Um, Along the way, though, as we do this, I I did need to bring up uh, something. And I've got a couple fantasy football uh, football league drafts actually coming up. Um, and they're actually a little later this year, which is is weird. Um, uh, but I've got a, a, some some fun coming up um, uh, early next week, um, two days before the start of the, the National Football League season. So like I said, it, it's late. Um, but I, I went ahead last night and I tried something that I had never done before. And I, I did I did a... Uh, I did a live mock draft on uh, on Yahoo. I, I don't know who the other nine uh, teams were. I, I don't know who they were. Um, I, I don't know where they were from. I know nothing about these people. I do know that um, of the uh, 10 teams, the first eight players picked <laughs> were running backs, including myself. Um but I went ahead and I picked a quarterback in the second round, which was, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Um, strategically, I have my reasons for doing that. I don't want to get into this is not a, a exclusively a fantasy football show. Um, but when I went back and I looked at the draft and I pulled it up and I'm actually looking at it right now. As we speak, I'm looking at the results. And the most amazing thing to me is that Tom Brady was not drafted at all in a fantasy football draft with 10 teams and 15 rounds, Tom Brady, if this league was real, would still be alive. Now, I want to keep this in perspective. I picked Patrick Mahomes um, with the first, he was the first quarterback to go. The second quarterback to go, for some strange, bizarre reason, was Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to get into, you know, next up was Matt Ryan, and then there was Drew Brees, and then Russell, uh, Russell Wilson, um, and, and I, I still don't understand why Baker Mayfield um, got picked as soon as Baker Mayfield got picked, but obviously the, um, uh, if you will, snowball that is the Cleveland Browns has uh, engulfed the entire state. <laughs> of Ohio at this point. It's ridiculous. Anyways, so Tom Brady, not even drafted. Not even drafted. Even Jimmy Garoppolo got drafted in this pit, in this draft. <laughs> it's just, it is just an amazing, absolutely um ridiculous, uh, ridiculous feat. Anyways, um, so I thought we would um, sort of just dive in uh, to a couple things um, uh, in addition um, uh, to sort of getting into who do I think is going to be in the Super Bowl and who do I think is going to win. And by the way, uh, analysts and people who predict this stuff are seldomly ever right. 
Um, I do want to say this. Thank God. Thank God Geno Smith got cut. <laughs> I'm just saying the Hawks cut Geno Smith. I'm just devastated by that. Uh, earlier in the day, Clowney got traded to the Seattle Seahawks, um, which was very interesting. And of course, LaShawn McCoy was cut by the Buffalo Bills. And I've got a, a quick Buffalo Bills story for you. Uh, last night, I had a chance. I suffered through game four of uh, my Minnesota Vikings against uh, against the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. I watched every play, as I have done for the last 18 years. Every play of every preseason game, every regular season game, I've seen them all. I've seen every single play. Um, <laughs> and and I suffered. I mean, it, it, trust me, it was, a, it was suffering. It actually took me two days to get through it. Um, but I did get through it. So I'm watching um, their head coach, Sean McDermott, and I'm watching him, and he's he's um, congratulating his players when they came off the field after the Minnesota Vikings kicked a field goal um, that put him up. I think at the time it was like 13 to three. He's congratulating them. <laughs> what what kind of society do we live in where? congratulating your players for allowing um, somebody else to score is is done by a head coach in the National Football League. And I, I was just absolutely blown away by it. And then I realized that um, it's a completely different generation. It's a, it's a generation that doesn't respond in the way uh, my generation responded um, to... Um, uh, <laughs> to coaches yelling at us. It doesn't, re- th- these kids don't work that way. You have to keep them positive at all times. Well done, well done. Way to give up that sack. Uh, you know what I liked about how you gave up that sack? I liked that at least you slowed him down before he got to the quarterback. And and that really says a lot. So maybe next time you can try to get two hands sort of into his chest as opposed to the one which allowed him to spin around you and sack our quarterback. But like I said, you know, good job. <laughs> I mean, that's like the modern day coach in the National Football League. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm watching Sean McDermott and I'm like, there's no way, no chance in hell this team's going to win because the coach is treating his players that way. And of course, the Buffalo Bills come back and beat the Vikings in the last 10 seconds of the game. And it was just one of those things where I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Society has certainly changed, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Um, so on to the always coveted, uh, what will Dave DeBoss say about who's going to be in the Super Bowl um, uh, this upcoming year? Now, uh, last year I did pick the Patriots uh, to win it all. And I, I, I really don't think that that's worth bragging about at all. Um, I, I'm having a hard time uh, believing that the Patriots are going to repeat. I certainly think they'll win their division. I think in the AFC North, I, I, I'm not on the snowball bandwagon uh, that is the Cleveland Browns just yet. I want to see what happens to Cleveland, as we all do when they lose two, maybe three games in a row, and just sit back and watch the implosion happen. (laughs) I'm just saying. 
I'm just looking forward to watching that implosion happen. Uh, but I, I'm not entirely sure, you know, how good Cleveland's going to be. I think they could be close to making the playoffs or possibly squeaking in. I do not believe in the Baltimore Ravens as it stands right now. I think the team out of the uh, AFC North will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. On to the South. We all know what happened with Andrew Luck. Uh, The Tennessee Titans, I think, are going to be basically the same team, maybe a little bit worse this year. And I would have said that the Houston Texans were definitely going to win the division. But who the hell knows who's going to win that division? Uh, If you make me pick somebody, I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans because I think there's a little upheaval in Houston uh, inside that organization as Clowney is no longer part of it. I think it was a bad move by the Houston Texans to part ways with Clowney. Um, the AFC West appears to be easy to pick. It's either going to be the Chiefs or the Chargers, uh, probably very similar to last year. And a slightly improved Denver Broncos will win 6.5 games this year under the tutelage of Joe Flacco. <laughs> and and John Gruden um, and the Oakland Raiders, uh, it, it could, they could either be a, uh, a surprise 10 and six team or they could be a three and 13 team. It is, I don't care how much hard knocks you watch. It is un, um, it's really hard, uh, to tell <laughs> if, if, if Oakland's going to be good or bad knock on wood, if you're with me, <laughs> <laughs> which of course is uh, what John Gurdon says uh, to his players. And I love watching that too. You go and watch it. He says, knock on wood if you're with me. And not all the players actually knock on wood. Hey, John, some of your players aren't with you. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, so moving on to the, um, uh, the National Football Conference, or as we call it, the NFC. Um Look, it's, it's probably going to be uh, Dallas. Uh, I'm assuming Zeke will be back in the NFC North. Um, it's it's going to be a, a, a two-horse race between my Vikings and the Bears. There's no way the Bears win 12 games again this year. And there's no way the Vikings only win eight. So one of those teams will win the, uh, win the division. Um, I think New Orleans is going to win the South and Atlanta... Um, and Carolina are interesting. Not sure yet, um, but I certainly don't believe in Jameis Winston. I can tell you that confidently. I don't care who the head coach is. I have no faith in Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. They are going to be crying out for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I even think it'd be great if Tampa traded for Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins at some point. Um, Oh, by the way, how great is it that Josh Rosen can't even beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick for the starting quarterback position in Miami? I am just saying. (laughs) All right. And uh, the NFC West, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be the Rams or it's going to be the Seahawks. Um, uh, All of this 49er stuff. And um, all this stuff about the Cardinals. The Cardinals just have way, way too many holes um, for for Kyler Murray uh, to to overcome, and and they also have to overcome 
uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offense, which is is just simply not going to work in the National Football League. Like, if it works for half a season, it isn't going to work in the second half. Just trust me. They are going to have to come up with a hybrid system that takes advantage of Kyler Murray's strengths as he learns to be a pocket passer. I would even suggest that they move more towards the pocket passing um, that Russell Wilson does in Seattle um, this year so that they can get Kyler the experience that he really needs so he can become a great National Football League quarterback. He has so much talent. He just does. I mean, I swear he could be lying on the ground and still throw the ball 40 yards in the air and hit a runner in stride. That is how much talent he has. I just hope he gets coached correctly um, in the National Football League. And it's really hard to believe because, as you all know, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury deserves a job in the National Football League as a head coach. I don't think he's done. There is nothing on his resume that says he should be a head coach in the National Football League. I'm just saying it's not going to go well in Arizona. Now, I hope Cliff does do a good job. I I would like to see um, uh, Kyler Murray do well in the National Football League. As for the 49ers, I, I see their stadium every day. Um, I, I just, it's, it's also a lot of, if they have no injuries, uh, they could be eight and eight and I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And, and, and the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy for the entire season, um, do you really want a deer in the headlights running your offense for you? I'm just saying Jimmy Garoppolo's got some of those happy feet that Jimmy Everett once had. And he's a deer in the headlights sometimes because he falls asleep back there. And he's just going to get crushed. Um, anyways, uh, so that's just sort of a quick evaluation of the divisions in the National Football League. There are always surprises in the NFL. That, you know, things we didn't see coming pop up. And before you know it, you're watching uh, Sunday Night Football. And they're doing a 30 minutes thing on how great Cam Newton is off the field and on the field and the 12 and 2 Carolina Panthers suddenly look like the uh the uh, the team that's going to the Super Bowl uh this year out of the NFC. That's not going to happen this year. I'm just saying. That's not going to happen this year. So if I had to pick if I had to pick two teams out of the AFC to be in the Super Bowl, um I would I would have to pick the Kansas City Chiefs, and as much as this pains me to do, because until I'm proven wrong, you've got to pick the Patriots. I mean, you and 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 then like the third team there on on the list. If John Madden was drive, drawing, you know, from one to two points, and then two points to three points, um, the third team on the list would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, those are your three teams out of the um, AFC that I think have a legitimate chance. Um, the Chargers, I would have definitely said the Chargers, but Melvin Gordon uh, looks like he's leaving. And and they really, I, I know they've got some other nice young running backs there in Los Angeles, um, but I just don't see it uh, happening. 
As for the NFC, it is wide open. I am not a believer in the Los Angeles Rams this year. Uh, They lost a couple key players. I don't really think they'll go back to the Super Bowl this year. Um, If I had to pick a team... And uh, and 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 I'm not going to pick with my heart because I'm, if I'm picking with my heart, this is the kind of year where I think the Vikings actually have a legitimate chance. It it really is the kind of year where I think they have a legitimate chance. But if I have to pick two teams, I pick Seattle and New Orleans uh, coming out of the NFC with a third team either being Dallas or uh, possibly Philadelphia. Okay, so who's going to win it all? Well, I think the Super Bowl, if I had to pick who's going to be in the Super Bowl, I would say it would be Kansas City uh, versus New Orleans, which is the game the NFL wants you to have. <laughs> if there's a Super Bowl that doesn't involve Tom Brady, the game the NFL wants you to see in February is New Orleans and Kansas City. And I think it would be Andy Reid's turn to finally win a Super Bowl. All right, North America. There you go. The Kansas City Chiefs. That's who I'm going. I can't even believe I'm doing that. The Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I'm going to have to sneak into Taco Tuesday at El Torito next time I'm in Southern California and um, and uh, get a cocktail. Uh, I'm just saying. All right, North America. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to uh, the Ramble um, it is so good, uh, it really is, uh, to be back in, um, on the air, um, here. Um, one last final note for you. And I did pick, um, and I did mention that Melvin Gordon has now been, been given permission by the, by the San Diego, by the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, the team in LA nobody cares about, um, has been given permission to seek a trade. And I thought it was important to understand the difference between the Dallas Cowboys organization and the um, Los Angeles Charger organization. There are a plethora of differences. I will say this about the Spanos family. You cannot get away with a holdout with the Spanos family. That is not how that team operates. It is never going to go well for you <laughs> with the Spanos family as long as they own the Los Angeles Chargers. The second Melvin Gordon held out, I knew that there was like a 95% chance you would never ever see him again in a Charger uniform. That is the difference between them and the Dallas Cowboys. All right, North America. Once again, thanks very much, uh, so much for tuning in to the Ramble. Uh, remember, we'll be uh, kicking off some live shows, so some more news to come on that. For now, I will say, for the Ramble, I am <laughs> Dave DeBob reminding you that you can't win a championship if you play for the Carolina Panthers. And good luck, North America. Because in this era of Donald Trump being your president, (laughs) you are going to need all the help that you can get.